Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, on Telegram, US UK Patriot, and on True Social, Success Alchemist. So today is the 25th of June 2022 and the title of today's show is Roe v. Wade Overturned, January 6th Hypocrisy and if I have time, the food supply destruction. Just before I start, I just want to let you know that I'm now back in Colorado with much lower temperatures Lots of thunderstorms and quite a lot of rain, so quite a contrast to Arizona. And because of other commitments, I'm not going to be doing a Wednesday show during the summer. I will just be returning to doing the one show a week on a Saturday. So um, if, the, if there's something so monumental that I need to do one off the cuff, then <laughs> I will do. But just as a routine, I'm not able to do that. For the next few months so apologies for that and I'm going to start with the Roe versus Wade decision by the Supreme Court and it's created an uproar across the country and uh, interesting that this should have happened yesterday after that leak uh, a few weeks ago by somebody in the Supreme Court um, offices as it were and uh, we still haven't found out who is responsible for that. But uh, it seems that it was used to stoke up the emotions of the uh, Democrats and the pro-choice people. Anyway, I'm going to start with an article by Technofog. I like Technofog's opinions. Pretty well thought out. And this, of course, was uh, yesterday, the 24th. And the title is Roe v. Wade is Dead. The fight for life now turns to the states. And it's got an image of a uh, demonstration by the pro-lifers, studentsforlife.org. I am the pro-life generation. Today, the Supreme Court overturned nearly 50 years of bad abortion law. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The issue of abortion will be left to the states. In 1973, the Supreme Court legalised abortion under the auspices of the, quote, right of privacy, which it held to, quote, encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy, end quote. While we do have rights that are guaranteed to us despite not being in the Constitution, those natural rights, abortion was never one of them, not until Roe, at least. It is estimated that more than 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe. That's more than the combined population of Florida and California. Recent CDC numbers show nearly 630,000 abortions in 2019, meaning 195 abortions per 1,000 live births. Abortion has never been a rare procedure since legalisation. And the activists who led the fight to legalise abortion for 50 plus years prior to and after Roe will be proud of that fact. Recall the words of Margaret Sanger, who preferred state-mandated sterilisation of populations and races she considered inhuman. Quote, we prefer the policy of immediate sterilisation, of making sure that parenthood is absolutely prohibited to the feeble-minded, end quote. Abortion was a means to terminate those whose sterilisation couldn't prevent. 
From the early days, they believed progress required the death of inanimate, unwanted children. Leaders such as Dr. Alan Guttmacher, the former president of Planned Parenthood, saw abortion as a necessary tool to, quote, achieve population control on the international stage, end quote. He went so far as to support having the UN, via abortion and other measures, slow down the, quote, reproductive rate, end quote, of developing countries, those places with what he dismissed as, quote, the black man or the yellow man, end quote. What resulted from Roe was, besides 63 million dead and America's diminishing respect for human life, was the elevation of abortion to being a sacred act and a sacred right. Nancy Pelosi, when asked about her support for late-term abortion, described it as sacred ground. Planned Parenthood tells us abortion is sacred. This denotes a religious aspect to abortion, with proclamations it is consecrated and holy, to be set apart and held in reverence for the worship of a god or deity, to which gods, the individual and the movement, or Moloch. Thus, any limitation of that practice, the fundamental right, that was in quotes, which promises the woman freedom and, quote, a full and equal role in society, end quote, is sacrilege. The exercise of the sacred is righteous and cannot be constrained, justifying the firebombing of pro-life and Christian pregnancy centres across the nation, the advocacy for late-term abortion. Then Virginia Governor Ralph Northam's support for infants dying after delivery and the repackaging of infanticide as, quote, perinatal death related to a failure to act, end quote. The individual is given moral latitude to ensure their freedom and the furtherance of their sacred right, no matter the cost. Quote, killing a newborn could be ethically permissible in all the circumstances where abortion would be, end quote. Just as they deny the humanity of the child, they also twist the meaning and importance of the relationship between the mother and the child. For some, a pregnant woman is pre-maternal and has no duty to her, quote, embryonic guest. For others, quote, terminating a pregnancy should be seen as mothering, end quote. Through these rationalizations, they reject personhood and love, those things which make us human and inform how we are to act towards the other. This spares their conscience the guilt of the violent end of this bodily and spiritual relationship. Eliminate or redefine motherhood subject to the demands of abortion on demand so the individual can thrive for, as Janet Yellen prefers, for the benefit of the economy. What they fail to understand is the impossibility of their scheme. You are a parent no matter where your child may be. This is the conflict of values. What is sacred is not the act of abortion or the right to abort. The sacred is the human form with its inherent dignity and the mother-child relationship, both of which were made in his image, referring to God. The desecration is its destruction. Of course, there are some conservatives who protest the end of Roe. New York Times columnist Brett Stevens argues that conservatism requires the survival of abortion rights. What is conservative? It is, above all, the conviction that abrupt and profound changes to established laws and common expectations are utterly destructive to respect for the law and the institutions established to uphold it, especially when those changes are instigated from above, with neither democratic consent nor broad consensus. Stevens and his cohorts, of which there are many, would have unjust laws survive for the sake of the institutions that created them. His philosophy leaves us without tools to counter institutional and cultural destruction. His vision of conservatism repudiates Brown versus Board of Education, which reversed the, quote, separate but equal, end quote, doctrine that allowed the government to segregate schools and public facilities. Stevens demands moderation in the face of extremism. He would have us revere and not reverse the abuse of judicial authority. 
the status quo takes precedent over what is legally and morally right. Another term for that is cowardice. Instead, we must realise that conservatism involves fidelity to the law and trusteeship over current and future generations, including the unborn. The institutions we fight to preserve, whether the family or government, are preserved for them. That's a long way of getting to Justice Samuel Alito's opinion. The background was essential to help explain the courage in the decision to overturn Roe. This is both a cultural moment and an opportunity for the Supreme Court to put itself on the right path, unencumbered by its previous mistakes. This will define Justice Alito's legacy. Remember also the legacy of those who worked tirelessly behind the scenes during confirmations, etc., and of the presidents who appointed them. It will also be part of the legacy of each justice who voted with Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, especially for Kavanaugh. The false attacks of rape and sexual assault during his confirmation were just a precursor to the current threat to his life and the lives of his wife and young daughters by an armed leftist ready to die for abortion rights and gun control. Then there's Chief Justice John Roberts. He didn't join his colleagues in the opinion and instead concurred in the judgment. He argued the right to abortion and whether to overturn Roe should have been left for another time. There is a clear path to deciding this case currently without overruling Roe all the way down to the studs. Recognise that the viability line must be discarded, as the majority rightly does, and leave for another day whether to reject any right to an abortion at all, he said. In other words, Justice Roberts will prefer the court put off correcting its errors in judgment for another day. The present is inconvenient for him. Perhaps he's more concerned with his legacy and the reputation of the court than in getting the law right. The majority opinion recognised Roberts' manoeuvring, stating that, quote, the concurrence's most fundamental defect is its failure to offer any principal basis for its approach, end quote. On the merits, Justice Alito has delivered a thorough and sound opinion, holding that Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey be overruled because, quote, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, end quote. Until Roe, there was, quote, no support in American law for a constitutional right to obtain an abortion, end quote certainly not in federal or state court. Quote, Thus, Roe was on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided, end quote. In response to arguments that abortion is a fundamental right not specified in the Constitution, Alito noted that at the time the 14th Amendment was adopted, quote, three quarters of states had made abortion a crime at any stage of pregnancy and the remaining states would soon follow, end quote. Alito was e- equally dismissive of the claim that stare decisis requires the survival of Roe. Quote, stare decisis does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse of judicial authority. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division, end quote. The dissent from Justices Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan was unconvincing and borderline hysterical. They argued the court now, quote, says that from the very moment of fertilisation, a woman has no rights to speak of, end quote. The phrase no rights is particularly inaccurate and egregious. Maybe that was the point, as pregnant women have the same rights as anyone else. That isn't to say that abortion is now illegal. By overruling Roe, the Supreme Court returned the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. States will now be free to regulate abortion for legitimate reasons, and when these laws are challenged, they will be presumed valid. 
on the issue of abortion, courts can no longer, quote, substitute their social and economic beliefs for the judgment of legislative bodies, end quote. There is work yet to be done. And I didn't say it at the beginning, but this is at technofog.substack.com. So unsurprisingly, the leftists, the pro-choice people, were all stoked up, ready for a bunch of mostly peaceful protests. Not. Breitbart reports, and again, uh, this was yesterday. Night of rage looms after SCOTUS decision, McCarthy to Biden, prevent violence before it's too late. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, is calling on President Biden to direct the Justice Department to deter and prevent violence against Supreme Court justices, churches and pro-life pregnancy centres on the heels of the Supreme Court's landmark Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organisation decision. A pro-abortion group, Jane's Revenge, previously announced plans to carry out a quote, night of rage that would follow the decision. McCarthy issued his calls to the president via Twitter shortly after the Supreme Court announced its ruling on the Dobbs case, overturning the long-standing 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. He implored Biden to act immediately before, quote, it's too late, end quote. And he tweeted, Kevin McCarthy tweeted, President Biden has a constitutional duty to keep Americans safe. He must direct the Justice Department to deter and prevent violence against Supreme Court justices, churches and pro-life pregnancy centres now, before it's too late. On Wednesday, Lila Rose, the founder and president of the pro-life organisation Live Action, said in a tweet that the Department of Homeland Security was warning pregnancy centres and Catholic churches alike, quote, telling them to be prepared for a night of rage by pro-abortion groups pledging extreme violence the night of the Dobbs decision, end quote. This is the most coordinated and aggressive domestic terrorism in our nation today or because extremists are angry that they may not get to kill children in the womb on demand without limit. Yet there is virtual silence from at Joe Biden, at Speaker Pelosi and most media groups. Why? That was a tweet from Lila Rose. And she goes on in another tweet. Their their threats will not win. The pro-life movement is stronger than ever, determined to care for both mother and child, to provide the networks of support that young families need and to fight for legal protections for the pre-born. We will not back down. We will not be intimidated. The Dobbs decision comes after an unprecedented leak of the draft decision ruling, which both undermined the court's sanctity and indicated Roe v. Wade will be overturned when the decision officially came down. Following the leak, a number of pregnancy centres in Catholic churches across the nation were targeted. Attacks ranged from alleged arson to smashed windows to to graffiti tags such as, quote, if abortion isn't safe, you aren't either, end quote, and Jane's revenge. And Andy No uh, tweets, large numbers of riot police are being mobilised in Washington, D.C., in response to an anticipation of mass violence by the left over Roe v. Wade. Additionally, conservative Supreme Court justices saw protests outside of their homes following the leak, with one man being arrested for his alleged plan of an assassination attempt on Justice Brett Kavanaugh, one of the judges who ended up voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now that the decision is official, far-left activists such as David Hogg are calling on the left to mobilise in protest. And he tweets, I'm mad as hell and I'm ready to protest. Let's do something. A National Guard spokesman told Breitbart News the District of Columbia National Guard does not have a request for assistance from D.C. government or any of our federal partners. As always, DCNG remains ready to provide support to the citizens of the district, DC government and federal agency partners in the event we receive 
a Department of Defence-approved RFA, which is Request for Assistance. The statement continued. The case is Dobbs v Jackson Women's Health Organisation number 19-1392 in the Supreme Court of the United States. And then we have Arizona State Senate evacuated after police intervene as pro-choice protesters emerge in front of the building. And this is a report from Resist the Mainstream. The Arizona State Senate building in Phoenix was evacuated on Friday after police deployed tear gas at demonstrators. A video posted on social media by Republican State Senator Michelle Ugenti Rita shows dozens of people protesting outside the government building in response to the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Other videos by a bystander show law enforcement standing near the building's windows while firing tear gas into the crowd. According to a tweet by the Arizona Senate Republican Caucus, pro-abortion protesters violently tried to enter the building and law enforcement intervened. They also added that the Senate was secure and safe. And the Arizona Senate Republicans tweeted, Public update, pro-abortion protesters violently tried to enter our building. Members, staff, visitors evacuated to a secure location. Law enforcement intervened, protesters dispersed while the Senate is now secure and safe. Unfortunately, smoke and tear gas has spread into our chambers. And it continues with a second tweet. Nonetheless, we are improvising and moving to another area of our building to finish the people's work and finish voting on our final bills of this legislative session. Associated Press reports that this incident caused lawmakers to shelter in the basement for roughly 20 minutes before they had to flee the building due to the tear gas fumes. And we've also seen uh, Maxine Waters, as usual, saying they will not obey the Supreme Court uh, decision. And Nancy Pelosi's up in arms, and I believe Biden made another ridiculous statement about it, which I haven't actually managed to watch. Um, but it's the usual thing of them being so pro-abortion, and it is, as sub, uh, Technofog reported, it is demonic. It is um, ritual sacrifice by the death cult of the Luciferians. That's all you can say about it, really. Now, I must add to that statement that I am in favour of abortion being available in certain circumstances. But if we look back, I mean, certainly in the UK, um, originally abortion could only be provided or performed if there was a risk of mental or physical uh, threat to the mother. So, and it had to be signed off by, I think it was two doctors in order to obtain an abortion. And this whole thing, it seems to be going along with, um, you know, the, the, it's like a moral decay that's gone on. And I've covered this before, you know, the protesters um, with an effigy of, of a, an unborn child beating it um, by these crazed protesters and people saying you know there's a woman who said I'm definitely going to get pregnant just so I can kill it I mean this is just horrific the mentality that they are desperate to kill a living being and as I said, you know, there are circumstances in which I believe it should be available. And that is obviously in rape cases, if if the pregnant woman desires that outcome. Although, you know, there are many people who, women, who have been raped, who have chosen to um, continue the pregnancy and are really grateful that they did because, you know, the resulting child is very loved. Obviously, in medical conditions, it's important to have that available. Um, but again, even when the um, the unborn child is deemed to have uh, physical issues, 
often a parent will choose to continue the pregnancy to full term. There's been a debate on Twitter this morning uh, saying that, well, you know, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, then that constitutes abortion. Are you saying that that won't be allowed either to, to deal with that? And I can speak from personal experience because I had an ectopic pre pregnancy and it was treated as a medical emergency because if you're not familiar with an ectopic pregnancy, it's where the fetus starts to develop inside the fallopian tube. So it attaches to the wall of the fallopian tube instead of the uterus. And what then happens is if that fetus is not removed, the fallopian tube can burst, which means basically the fetus cannot survive and neither can the mother if that is allowed to continue. It's a it's a literally a fatal condition. And, you know, I I saw a doctor for well, it's it's a long story, but my own G GP general practitioner just kept saying, Oh, it's your hormones, it's your hormones, because I was literally bleeding continuously. And it was only when I um actually saw a consultant, thankfully I had private medical insurance at the time through my job he immediately ordered emergency surgery for the next morning so you know these people are getting hysterical saying you know you won't be allowed to have an ectopic pregnancy treated or you won't be allowed to have a dnc from a following a miscarriage that has left some elements of that developing fetus inside the uterus i mean this is just taking it to ridiculous extremes but you know they're trying to make a point of you know this is a bad decision because of these circumstances well it's not going to affect those circumstances so come on give me a break and then you've got these hypocrites saying you know my body my choice but in a previous tweet they've said mandate vaccines and you know it's my body my choice when it suits them but not when it doesn't so the whole thing is um just out of all proportion and of course they're putting this view out that oh well this is banned abortion well it hasn't it's just passed the decision making or the law making to the states which is how the constitution was originally set up now, there's also some hysteria over um, or concerns. I'll, I'll just tone down the emotion a little bit there over an opinion piece by Justice Thomas. And again, this is Resist the Mainstream. And it was yesterday. Justice Thomas, Supreme Court should reconsider rulings on same sex marriage and contraception. And what he's basically saying, let me pick out the appropriate part of this. Supreme Court Justice Thomas wrote Friday that the High Court should reconsider rulings on contraception, same-sex relationships and same-sex marriage in a solo concurring opinion released Friday that struck down Roe v. Wade. The Republican-appointed justice argued that the Supreme Court should reconsider other cases that fall under prior due process precedents. So what he's basically saying is that in a similar way to Roe v. Wade, if new cases arise that um, have an underlying principle that relates to prior due process precedents, then they should be reconsidered in the same way that Roe v. Wade was reconsidered. So he's not talking about just overturning everything that relates to same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage and contraception. He's just reflecting on whether there are other uh, laws in place, or cases, I should say, precedents, that are enforced at the federal level rather than being allowed to be controlled or enforced, uh, regulated at the state level. So, you know, it's really the case of devolution that we've been looking at so much. So um, in the same way, even if it was overturned, even if these cases were overturned, 
it wouldn't be a ban on contraception or a ban on same-sex marriage just in the way that it's not a ban on abortion. It would be um, passed back to the states for them to legislate according to the will of the people in that state. So I think we need to calm down a little bit there. I would just like to add that I'm not a legal professional and therefore this is purely opinion. Just going back to the main topic of Roe v. Wade, this is again resists the mainstream. Extremists could launch violent attacks for weeks in response to Roe v. Wade ruling DHS warns. Extremists are expected to launch violent attacks for weeks in response to the Supreme Court's abortion ruling, with politicians and judges among the most likely targets, the Department of Homeland Security warned Friday. Some domestic violent extremists, DVEs, will likely exploit the recent US Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade to intensify violence against a wide range of targets, according to a three-page unclassified memo obtained by CNN. We expect violence could occur for weeks following the release, particularly as DVEs may be mobilised, domestic violence extremists, to respond to changes in state laws and ballot measures on abortion stemming from the decision. The memo from the DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis added, federal and state government officials, including judges and facilities, probably are most at risk for violence. It cited an online post by the militant pro-choice network, Jane's Revenge, which called for a night of rage over the court's decision and told its followers we need the state to feel our full wrath and we need them to be afraid of us. The DHS also noted the arrest earlier this month of a Californian man accused of trying to assassinate US Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, allegedly in response to the May 2nd publication of a leaked draft version of Friday's majority opinion. In addition, public demonstrations and rallies probably will be attractive targets for a range of DVEs to commit violence against ideological opponents, and violence could escalate against abortion clinics and anti-abortion pregnancy resource centres, as well as their staffers, the DHS said. The memo cited arson attacks on buildings connected to both types of operations in New York, Oregon, Wisconsin, Wyoming and Washington. And it says it's an excerpt from the New York Post. And there was a a video on social media this morning showing Marjorie Taylor Greene surrounded by pro-choice protesters being attacked. Verbally, I saw. I didn't see a physical attack. It didn't show that in the video. But uh, these people have just gone absolutely crazy. And And Magazine, which is, again, a Substack um, channel, Biden's DOJ announces it will ignore the Supreme Court's decision. And that was late yesterday. Earlier today, the Supreme Court ruled that there is no constitutional right to abortion. It did not outlaw abortion. It simply said the issue should be decided by democratically elected legislatures in the 50 states. You know, like the founders intended and the Constitution says. This, of course, is heresy to the self-appointed elitists who run the federal government and want very much to continue transforming the country into some sort of authoritarian nightmare in which the Marxist elite tells everyone else what to do and the great unwashed shut up and obey their betters. Almost immediately, in fact, the oligarchs voiced their outrage. Maxine Waters appeared in front of the Supreme Court telling everyone that the decision was not just wrong, But illegitimate, she expressly called on people to simply ignore the decision and defy the court. Greg Price tweeted, Maxine Waters tells people to fight the hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. You ain't seen nothing yet. Didn't they impeach Trump for this? Thousands. We will be out by the millions. We will 
Joe Biden was not far behind. He rapidly appeared in front of the cameras to express his opinion. The Supreme Court decision was illegitimate. It just took away a constitutional right. Never mind that nowhere in the Constitution is there any reference to abortion at all. And the Hill tweets, Biden vows to protect access to abortion pills, contraception and travel. What travel's got to do with it, I don't know. Perhaps most disturbing, however, is the statement made by Attorney General Merrick B. Garland today following the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs, State Health Officer of the Mississippi Department of Health, et al., the Jackson Women's Health Organization, et al. Here is that statement in its relevant part. Today, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and held that the right to abortion is no longer protected by the Constitution. The Justice Department strongly disagrees with the court's decision. But today's decision does not eliminate the ability of states to keep abortion legal within their borders, and the Constitution continues to restrict states' authority to ban reproductive services provided outside their borders. We recognise that travelling to obtain reproductive care may not be feasible in many circumstances, but under bedrock constitutional principles, women who reside in states that have banned access to comprehensive reproductive care must remain free to seek that care in states where it's legal. Moreover, under fundamental First Amendment principles, individuals must remain free to inform and counsel each other about the reproductive care that is available in other states. The Justice Department will work tirelessly to protect and advance reproductive freedom. And we stand ready to work with other arms of the federal government that seek to use their lawful authorities to protect and preserve access to reproductive care. In particular, the FDA has approved the use of the medication Mifepristone, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, States may not ban mifepristone based on the disagreement with the FDA's expert judgment about its safety and efficacy. Furthermore, federal agencies may continue to provide reproductive health services to the extent authorised by federal law, and federal employees who carry out their duties by providing such services must be allowed to do so free from the threat of liability. It is the Department's long-standing position that states generally may not impose criminal or civil liability on federal employees who perform their duties in a manner authorised by federal law. The Justice Department will use every tool at our disposal to protect reproductive freedom, and we will not waver from this department's founding responsibility to protect the civil rights of all Americans. The article continues, It is startling enough that the head of the Department of Justice would come out so strongly with comments deliberately designed to characterise the Supreme Court decision as not just wrong but illegitimate. Garland's comments, though, are not simply opinion. He makes crystal clear that the federal government intends fully to act to undercut not just the Supreme Court's ruling but any state laws now promulgated which may restrict access to abortion. Consider the import of that. The Supreme Court says there is no constitutional right to have an abortion. State legislatures, duly elected by American citizens, are free now to authorise, restrict or ban abortion as they see fit. If they do restrict abortions, however, the federal government, per Garland's statement, will utilise its full power to frustrate the actions of state legislatures and guarantee that residents of those states can find ways to circumvent state law. And Molly Hemingway tweets, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice is a threat to the Republic. And it's got a link to a Federalist article. Merrick Garland's DOJ is a threat to the Republic. Federal raids this week, along with an inappropriate statement about a SCOTUS ruling, underscore the weaponization of the DOJ under Garland. It is also noteworthy that there is effectively no reference to Congress in Garland's comments. He does not speak in terms of drafting legislation for passage by the House and Senate. He speaks apparently for the entire US government wielding some power 
described nowhere in the Constitution and therefore subject to no known limits. The New York Times reports in a tweet, Attorney General Merrick Garland called the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade a devastating blow to reproductive freedom and he vowed to use the Justice Department's authority to protect the right to abortions. The Attorney General believes the Supreme Court decision is illegitimate and women have a right to seek abortions whenever and however they choose. Let it be so. No questions about his authority to issue such edicts will be tolerated. The great fight of our time is between those who continue to believe that we live in a republic and power derives from the people and those who wish to fully transform this nation into an autocracy run from an imperial city. This is the real significance of today's Supreme Court's decision. It says issues like access to abortion should be decided by legislators elected by the voters, not by appointed judges. This cannot be allowed to stand. There can be no limits on the power of the oligarchs. They will tell you how to live and what you can and cannot do. That's, this is why Biden's Department of Justice hurried to make sure you understood it will ignore the Supreme Court's decision. And, of course, what we're up against here are these states like California and uh, I think New York allowing abortion literally 28 days, up to 28 days after birth. I mean, this is nothing short of infanticide. And I've reported on previous shows the horrors of abortions in, like, the second or third term where they literally dismember the living um, unborn child. And to underscore that, we have many stories coming through of women who have um, delivered premature babies at something like 26 weeks, which is allowed, an abortion is allowed at that stage in some states, and how with the wonders of the medical profession and, and prayer, these uh, premature babies have survived and grown up to live really useful and normal lives. Epoch Times reported on the 22nd, a world record holding most premature twins are now happy thriving three-year-olds. Um, identical twins from Iowa who broke a world record for most premature twins after they were born at just 22 weeks and one day have defied the odds and are now three and a half years old and loving life. And these demonic protesters want to kill a viable baby who can be born at that stage and as I've said, and as the article says, you know, they they are growing up at three and a half years old and loving life. So it seems like we've got this um, pandemic, epidemic of demonic possession. There's no other word for it. So moving on to my next topic, this is the January 6th hypocrisy. Um, first of all, we have a report from Envolve, Investigators released damning reports showing Pelosi orchestrated security breakdown on January 6th. And we know we've got this kangaroo court that's, um, you know, being shown on live TV, the fake news media, which is completely one sided, um, trying to discredit Trump and his team and uh, his supporters. Um, when we really know that it was Pelosi and her cohorts that set this up as a um, an entrapment situation to blame Trump and to have an excuse for illegally imprison the attendees of his rally when many of them never even entered the Capitol. So the article says, according to a preliminary report made public by investigators, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is largely to blame for the security lapse at the US Capitol on January 6, 2021. While the Capitol Police were understaffed, Pelosi's House Sergeant at Arms repeatedly turned down requests from the Pentagon 
for National Guard assistance and officers were ill-equipped and under-trained. It's almost as if she wanted the entire thing to happen. The full report from Republican investigators, Representatives Jim Banks and Rodney Davis, won't be made public for a few weeks. But Banks and Davis said their decision to do so was motivated by the January 6th committee's hyper-partisan attempt to present a slanted viewpoint as if it were impartial fact and that it will help Americans understand the extent of the committee's misrepresentations and omissions. Quote, The committee has lied and made, new, made numerous unsupported and disputed claims that have been thoughtlessly parroted by their media and fact-checking allies, said Banks and Davis. The Federalist report, no Republican-appointed members serve on the committee and no minority rights have been granted or observed by the committee. Those breaches of House rules have led Administration Committee Ranking Member Representative Rodney Davis, Republican Illinois, to announce there will be an investigation of the January 6th committee itself once Republicans take control of the House, as they are expected to do following the November elections. Despite the January 6th committee's attempts to blame the Capitol riot on former President Donald Trump and election integrity supporters, the GOP members found that Pelosi, who is responsible for Capitol security, according to House rules, and has led the Democrat majority for years, repeatedly failed to implement necessary improvements to the Capitol security system. Quote, this inaction left the Capitol unnecessarily vulnerable, Banks and Davis noted. Banks and Davis pointed to an after-action report from the Capitol Police showing that the law enforcement department reorganised its intelligence without authorisation, which left it without essential open-source intelligence capabilities and caused staffing changes that may have contributed to the tragedy on January 6th. In light of this information, Banks and Davis added that the USCP intelligence unit had knowledge of the potential for violence, yet failed to adequately communicate the threat or take the necessary steps to protect the capital. Despite these shortcomings, the Republicans found that even though the USCP union largely voted it had no confidence in its intelligence division supervisor, the supervisor was promoted to acting chief following the capital riot. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy picked Banks and Representative Jim Jordan to represent Republicans on the committee last year, but they were promptly booted off by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who implied the GOP would hamper a comprehensive investigation into the Capitol riot. Now, Banks, Jordan, Davis and the two other Republicans, who were poised to join the Democrat show trial committee before McCarthy pulled them out, are leading their own investigation into the capital security breakdown that reviews information hardly touched by Pelosi's picks who are running the show trial. Banks noted in a recent interview with PBS NewsHour that despite gathering more than 100,000 pages of evidence, the January 6th committee has only selectively offered the American people a very small part of it. Quote, never forget that this select committee has already been caught altering evidence. They had to apologise for it, Banks said. It's dishonourable that this isn't a, party, isn't a bipartisan effort to give the American people the facts and the findings. Banks has repeatedly criticised Pelosi's hand-picked committee as a political witch hunt, focused on slandering conservatives, especially those who express concerns about election integrity, instead of getting to the bottom of what really happened on January 6th. Republicans were denied the right to meaningfully participate in the Democrat show trial, but as you know, the five of us are leading our own independent investigation into the total breakdown of security at the Capitol. Our mission is to answer simple questions about what happened that day that Democrats have ignored, Banks and Davis said. Republicans have committed to launching a full investigation into the actions of the Select Committee and hold Speaker Pelosi accountable, assuming GOP gains in the House of Representatives in the November midterms. And of course, you know, as long as the Democrats don't manage to cheat their way into holding the House. 
So the thing I want to highlight in terms of hypocrisy is an incident that happened last week, and I think it was the 17th. That's the date of the article I want to cover. And this is from Just the News. New security breach. Capitol Police arrest seven people tied to comedian Colbert for unlawful entry. The incident occurred in the shadows of the January 6th riot hearings and Capitol Police. There is an active criminal investigation that may result in additional criminal charges after consultation with the US attorney. In a major security breach in the shadows of the January 6th hearings, Capitol Police alerted Congress on Friday that at least seven individuals tied to comedian Stephen Colbert's TV show were arrested for unlawful entry to the Capitol Police, according to authorities and lawmakers. Representative Rodney Davis, Republican Illinois, the top Republican on the House Administration Committee that oversees Capitol Security, confirmed the arrest Friday evening after his staff received a briefing from police. The only people arrested by Capitol Police for touring the House Office buildings are the people that work for Stephen Colbert, he said. CBS confirmed to Just the News that the staffers for Colbert entered the building but claimed their entry was pre-arranged with congressional aides and that the production team lingered in the building to film com comedic bits for the show. Capitol Police declined to identify the seven arrested individuals but confirmed to Just the News that the apprehensions occurred at about 8.30pm Thursday in the Longworth House office building across Independence Avenue from the US Capitol. It was the second time the individuals had been spotted unauthorised in the building that day and all were taken into custody, police said. Congressional officials briefed on the matter said that those apprehended were affiliated with Colbert's late show on CBS. A spokesperson for Colbert's show, an agent for the comedian and a CBS corporate communications officials, did not immediately respond to multiple requests for comment. Capitol Police told Just the News the seven individuals were arrested on charges of unlawful entry into the complex. On June 16, 2022, at approximately 8.30pm, US Capitol Police received a call for a disturbance in the Longworth House office building, Capitol Police said in a statement. Responding officers observed seven individuals, unescorted and without congressional ID, in a sixth-floor hallway. The building was closed to visitors and these individuals were determined to be part of a group that had been directed by the USCP to leave the building earlier in the day. This is an active criminal investigation and may result in additional criminal charges after consultation with the US attorney, Capitol Police added. In an interview with Fox News, Davis said police confirmed to his staff that the seven individuals had previously been ejected from the Capitol complex in a different house office building earlier Thursday and somehow made it back into the Longworth building at night where they were creating a disturbance near some GOP lawmaker's office. A senior law enforcement official told Just the News that police are investigating whether staff or one or more Democrat congressmen helped facilitate the individuals re-entering the building. This is being treated as a serious security matter and more charges could be brought depending on what prosecutors determine, the official said. And, you know, what people are highlighting is the fate of these people who have been locked up for being present at the Capitol on January 6th and very peacefully walking into the Capitol, having been waved in by the Capitol Police, versus these people who have also illegally entered, um, actually being arrested and then freed shortly afterwards. Whereas we've got people in who are who have been in prison now for well over a year without bail and without trial, completely unconstitutionally, um, and yet these people are allowed to go free. So that's hypocrisy personified. And finally, very quickly, um, I just want to cover a report from Gateway Pundit. And this was published on the 23rd. Interactive map details destruction of numerous U.S. food manufacturing plants 
grocery stores, etc., compares U.S. incidents to global trends. Earlier this month, the Gateway Pundit published an article on a list of U.S.-based food manufacturing plants that were destroyed, damaged or impacted by accidental fires, disease or general causes from 2021 to 2022 under the Biden administration. These data were first published at Think Americana. Below is the list. And there's a list of 99 incidents at various processing plants, poultry farms, and the latest on the 14th of June reported over 2000 sorry over 10,000 head of cattle reportedly died in the recent Kansas heat wave which many people are questioning as very very suspicious and some twitter poster actually pointed out well why was it only cattle and not horses or any other animals with this ongoing problem in our food supply, a concerned citizen created an interactive map that will let you click on or hover over an icon and it will provide all of the details of what happened at that location, including a link to the article. And it shows the map. And it says, read underneath, read the excerpt of the message sent to the Gateway Pundit. I have been doing extensive research regarding what is going on with the food supply. I have created an interactive map that will let you click on or hover over an icon and it will provide all of the details to what happened at that location, including a link to the article. If I had any doubts about this being on purpose, that is completely gone at this point. It's almost terrifying seeing what is going on and the majority of people have no idea. Every day something else happens to add to this list. Things are happening so quickly now that it is mind-boggling. Big tech is covering most of these up or burying them so far down the feed that most people never see them. I have investigative skills that I have used my entire career so I know how to get around all of that or I would never have found what I have. I have not heard of anyone looking up actual grocery store fires so that is what started me down this path. Once I saw how bad it was and the patterns that are happening it was clear what they are doing and I am now convinced they are getting people to help with this, just like they did with the election. I realise that not all of these are on purpose, but once you see how big this is, it cannot be denied that something evil is going on, and we are about to have our legs kicked out from under us. I have over 600 instances so far. I have read or watched every article to confirm it, and I have many more that I am trying to add. Almost 400 of these are just in 2022. I have so much more to add to this list and I've been working on it non-stop. When all the news outlets came out saying it wasn't true, it made me want to prove them all wrong. So this has been my main priority for a couple of months now. People are going to starve if something is not done about this. I figure if I can help anyone at all by giving them a heads up, there are too many locations to say it's a coincidence, so they can try to prepare for their families, then it will be worth it. It's pretty terrifying when you see it all together. The time frame was 1st of January 2021 to 20th of June 2022. The reasons that um, these things happened was fire or explosion, disease, permanently closing, vandalism, hacked and government ordered. Proof attached to each pin on the map has the name, location, date, reason and a link to each article, video, news story. This is so they cannot explain it away. Trends. Most buildings are either damaged or completely destroyed by fires or explosions in the middle of the night and have no reason regarding what started the fire. And then he lists the colour coding of the type of um, event that it was. So... It does very much look like um, food shortages are being orchestrated here and people are advised to stock up with emergency food supplies and so on. Fortunately, I'm not able to do that because I don't have the room for it in my RV. Um, but I do kind of keep a, a decent stock of canned goods. But um, And I'm sure that the White Hats will not allow an extreme um, food shortage to happen um, you know we've been told to expect something like this to happen but it's going to be supported by the military with um, food supplies and so on so I wouldn't panic about it but 
we need to be aware that this is part of their overall strategy to enslave the people with the Great Reset. Anyway, that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and thank you for listening. I will be back next Saturday for another Cosmic Creating show and I hope you'll join me then. Thank you to Nancy for producing. Uh, just a reminder, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net and empoweredmanifestation.com. And of course, thank you also to Derek Condit for sponsoring the Cosmic Reality Radio Station and visit his website, mysticalwares.com for a wonderful range of metaphysical and crystal products. So until next time, be safe, stay well, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.